Hello, my fine friends. Thank you for choosing my podcast to listen to. We're powered by ACAS Plus. You can join uh, ACAS Plus if you want to get lots of bonuses. Google Rahalastapa and ACAS Plus and you'll get right there. There's lots of fun stuff to get. Um, Rahalastapa tour is nearly over. 21st of March, I'm at Bedford Corn Exchange. I'm talking to Olaf Falafel, who's a very funny children's author and stand-up comedian, and Al Murray, the pub landlord and historian man. And a friend of mine, uh, it should be fantastic, who went to Bedford, went to school in Bedford. It should be amazing. There's plenty of tickets left for that one. Uh, Glasgow on the 27th and Hull on the 28th. They're both sold out, but do keep checking the sites for returns. And uh, occasionally we put some comps back on sale, so there may be a chance to buy tickets. The main thing, though, is that I am going to be on tour doing stand-up, and I would love you to come. Uh, it's uh, from... It starts officially in May, but so uh, there's a few tryouts in April and March. So I'm at the Bill Murray. I'm at um, various places, Luton Hat Factory and uh, the Berry Hedge End. I don't even know where that is before going into a big tour where I'm going all over the place. It's selling in various degrees. Glasgow sold out. They've added an extra date. Uh, Chorley sold out, joined the waiting list. Uh, but a lot of the others have plenty of tickets. So... Do go and come to see that. richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour for all those tour dates. richardherring.com slash Rahalastapa for the remaining Rahalastapa dates. And uh, yeah, and then I'm going to take a little break from doing Rahalastapas. It'll be nice. We've got loads in the bank. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying them. I think there's some very high quality ones from this tour. Uh, so do keep listening. Do keep telling your friends. richardherring.com for all your Richard Herring needs. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another Rahalastapa. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring. And this week's advert comes from Ben Walker, who produces this show on occasion. Hey there, hey there, all you Rahalastapert listeners. Why not check out the new series of Ben the Producer's other comedy podcast, Do the Right Thing? Because it's rubbish, that's why you shouldn't do it. It's a panel show in which two teams of comedians have to work out the right thing to do in weird, wonderful and extreme situations, like the right way to escape if you're buried alive, the right way to form an exorcism, or the right way to turn down dinner invite from the Queen. I was once on it myself, and I had to find out the right way to get rid of an unwanted erection, which uh, my answer was to have a wank which got us point so there you go or you can tap it with something hard as well I know all about penises just ask me anything you want I know it a lot I'm very interested. The guests in the new series include Rahalastapa, Rahalastapa alumni Catherine Ryan, Romish Ranganathan, Dave Gorman, Izzy Sooty and Mike Wozniak, alongside other funny people like Doc Brown and Joe Lysett, who's coming up later in our series as well. So, And we must get Doc Brown on as well. So if you want to find out how Catherine Ryan would survive a night locked in a walk-in freezer or if Joe Lysett has ever seen a vagina, check out Do The Right Thing at comedy.co.uk slash DTRT. 
It's also on iTunes, but don't get it confused with the Spike Lee film with the same name, though that is good too. No, don't give it, now we've advertised Spike Lee's films. He's not going to pay us. You've got to pay us, Spike Lee, for that advert. Now let us enjoy this week's Rehearsal. I wonder who the guest will be this week. I genuinely don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who has done nothing that his mother was not expecting. It's Richard Herring! Thank you very much, hello! Welcome to this week's Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. It's the new week. Uh, some of the cool kids are calling it Raha Lastapa. Uh, thank you very much. It's great to be here. So um, uh, I've got this hand that I draw around. This is one of the hands uh, that I've been doing for uh, people who've done on the Kickstarter. I've been drawing around my hand. I'm 48 years old uh, at the point this will go out. This one went wrong. I did it upside down. And so this is a... I'm going to give this to a lucky person in the audience. I'm going to choose someone. I wonder who I will pick on in the audience. Uh, hello there. Uh, this, uh, this guy has a ready-made poppy on his shirt. We were discussing it before we started filming. His name's Hugh. He's a nice guy. How are you doing, Hugh? You all right? Yeah. Yeah, what do you do for a living, Hugh? Uh, I work for a music festival company. You work for a music festival company? Yeah. Which music festival is it? Or all of them? Reading and Leeds, that's, that's, those are pretty good. I bet it'd be nice to you, could get me some work. Uh, I, did the Reading, I did the Reading Festival once, in about 1992, 93, seriously, and Nirvana were on. Yeah, I didn't go and see him. Uh, I, don't, I don't really like music. Do you like music? Yeah, it probably helps. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this, because I was a bit, no, I was a bit unpleasant to having to go. He's wearing a poppy, he's got a poppy on his shirt, so he doesn't have to buy a poppy. It's not really, what is it, what kind of flower is it? It's a red flower. It's just a red flower. It's just don't get over it. Let's stop obsessing about my T-shirt. Uh, I'm going to give you this. Could one day be worth hundreds of thousands of pounds? <laughs> it's a big... <laughs> if, you know, I commit an atrocity of some kind, which is the way my brain's going, is quite likely. So this could be like as valuable as a Rolf Harris painting one day. <laughs> Do you feel sorry for all those people who... Um, Hugh, do you feel sorry for them? <laughs> this is everyone. Uh, like the people in there, Jim, when Jimmy Savile died, they had that big auction of all this stuff, didn't they? And all the money went to charity, and everyone, oh, I've bought Jimmy Savile's shell suit, gold shell suit. It's a bit bad, isn't it, now? But do you think, do you think in another 10 years' time they'll be worth like lots of, like Hitler's paintings are doing all right, aren't they? I don't know why I'm asking you. Anyway, I'm going to give you that because uh, I feel slightly, that's, that's yours. Look, I'll treasure that, Hugh. Will you treasure it? If I come round to your house in 10 years' time, be put on the empty seat next. He is surrounded by empty seats. Let's just get, let's just cattle. There's one. I think, and there's two behind him as well. It's like a, like a cloud. It's like the stink cloud. Is, it's like it's evaporate. There are some just dry skeletons on the. Sorry, Hugh. It's thank you for coming to see the show. Thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for the money and everything. Uh, I am available for the... I'm available for the Reading and uh, Leeds festivals this year because I'm not doing Edinburgh. Any... any ch- no, OK. Uh, some reason he's not happy about that. So, look, we're going to... Uh, oh, look, I'm going to remember to fucking do it for once in my life. Richard? Yeah, I've, I've remembered. It's too no good. You don't, you're meant to remember, remind me. This is from David Frew. Is that in there? He is. I knew he was in there. David. This is from you, David Frew. That is, <laughs> this is what David Frew has paid me to say. David Frew, David Frew, it's not a real name, paid, <laughs> paid more than a pound for this. He must be a fucking idiot. Let's see if that's made him happy. <laughs> it's, made, 
It's made him happy. Has that made you happy or less happy or more happy than when you make a nuclear bomb? Less happy, okay. <laughs> Does it make you very happy to make a nuclear bomb? Did you get the idea for making nuclear bombs from H.G. Wells? That's what I was, Yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> That's what he had the idea, didn't he? And then you thought, I'll copy that. You didn't, you didn't invent the nuclear bomb, did you? No, you didn't. Uh, David Frude, he's a, nu- he's a nuclear physicist. So, you know, think about your life and what you've done, and then reassess, because he's done something great. So will you please welcome my guest tonight. She is probably best known. I think most of you will have come to see her, because she was Gail in Pudsey the Movie. <laughs> I can't wait to mainly talk about that. Will you please welcome Jessica Hines, ladies and gentlemen. Jessica Hines. Welcome. Hello. Sit down here, pull up a microphone, talking to a microphone. You can sit I'm there. so glad you brought up Pudsey. Pudsey. Water there. I'm How'd... so glad you brought up Pudsey, Richard. How was, how was it working on Pudsey? Well, I just movie? feel like it was a really a, a, an overlooked piece of <laughs> cinema. Yeah. I don't feel that it got the right kind of attention. No. Um, and I just, it, I'm just looking forward to a chance to talk about it. Good. Well, about we, we have all really the time about, in the world. And, you know, uh, Is it about Pudsey the dog or Pudsey the one-eyed bear? It was actually a kind of philosophical <laughs> uh, sort of kind of metaphor yeah. for the decay of country life, okay. actually. That was definitely so what came up in, in, yeah. in the interview when I went to meet the director. <laughs> and about, it was also about the... the yeah, so that, yeah. that was a sort of broad theme. What is Pudsey like in real life? Was Pudsey in it or had he died by that stage and been replaced by a lookalike like Lassie was? <laughs> Pudsey was sort of like almost more, he was more than a dog. Yeah. You know, he was like a sort of, like he was like a spiritual entity, you know, like a, like a movie star, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, is people dismiss the film, but they don't know what it was like. <laughs> you know, just being with him was yeah. powerful. You know, it didn't translate. Okay. <laughs> But, but it happened. It was, it was in, in the room, it was an amazing experience, but you can't um, capture that on Being near suddenly. him, you know, being around him, watching him <laughs> dance, and it was, it was yeah, it was an, an un, you know, it was an unbelievable experience. Good, I'm glad. Um, your real name's Tallulah, that's what I'm surprised oh, come about. On, well, I'm really surprised about that. that. What are I'm you just talking simply about? surprised about that. Why are you surprised about that? Because why? That's what? Tallulah? Why the would you story... not choose to be called Tallulah if your name's Tallulah? I, I, was, I was christened Tallulah by yeah. my aunt, who registered me okay. at, the, at the, the registry office. And then I was then just referred to as Jessica. It just was the way it was. But <laughs> when I, <laughs> I moved towns, when I was 15, I moved to London. Um, and I then went to A-level college uh, a year after doing my GCSEs. So I did my GCSEs in London for a year. And then I decided to <laughs> try to lure out <laughs> at my A-level college. And uh, told everybody that my name, having been Jessica, then up yeah. to that point, I told, decided just to tell everybody that my name was Tallulah. And it, it did work yeah. until I had a birthday party. <laughs> and uh, then these Brighton friends came up and were like, why, why is everybody calling you Tallulah? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, that, that's what they think my name is. So there was a sort of strange moment when 
everyone thought I was mad, Richard. And, you <laughs> know, I was just trying friend, to reinvent myself. The you know. new friends were right. There was the old friends you'd lied to all that time. Well, yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> which, way, which way round was it? But, um, My dad was, was christened Thomas Keith Herring. Yeah. And he chose to be called Keith. That's an odd choice, isn't it? That's, he chose? Yeah, well, that he... Uh, I mean, what, you've got did he Keith, choose, though? I think that I think well, maybe normally it doesn't work Keith. like that. Normally, you know, you you could hold that against them. But normally, how it works is if it's a traditional thing in a family, yeah. you're called a first name, and then you're not referred to as that first name. You're just referred to. I don't as think your it was traditional because no one else was. So I think it, someone decided they're going to be calling Thomas But Keith. in order for him to actually make that kind of kind of intellectual, that actual sort of assertion, I'm not Thomas Dad. I'm Keith. <laughs> how many times <laughs> do I have to tell you? You know, at what age would that have actually happened? Realistically. Yeah. The realistic thing yeah. is that his parents just decided... To call him Keith. Yeah, though. yeah, sorry. It doesn't seem like a... Granny ni- and Grandpa just was went born for in Keith. The, he was born in the 1930s. It doesn't feel mm. like a 1930s name, Keith, does it? No, it doesn't. It sounds like a 70s name. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a modern 70s name, like Wayne. My middle yeah. name's Keith as well. Is it? Yeah. But yeah. I call myself... I mean, Richard's a stupid Richard's a name. great name. Well, it's a, you know, it's a great name. It's a dying name. We may get back to that later. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let's talk about... Well, I've just been watching... Uh, I think I did see this when it came out, but uh, George the Sandman, who's trying to take over the he's podcast... trying to take over your life. Well, he's trying to take over this job, really. He's just trying to okay, edge his way in. Let's get him on stage in a minute, I mean, no, see if he, he does better than you. Every week he comes in. He's usually, he's having a go at the, get the guests, but he likes you, yeah. Is so he? you're lucky. Hello, George. Uh, he's, back, he's, right, he's right back yeah. there. Oh, hi, George. Is that one back there? Uh, he is a massive fan of Lizzie and Sarah, which yeah. I watched today on uh, on the internet. And I think I did see it the first time. It's a very, it is a very dark yeah. and very funny uh, uh, sitcom episode. But it, well, it was drama, comedy drama. Yeah, well, it, it was a, always it been was a, a comedy what, was pilot. It, was it always going to be a, uh, was it a pilot? Yeah, I it was a pilot see... for a series we were going to do. The, the idea was that it was a pilot for a series of different characters that me and Julia Davis oh, okay. were going to do. And we, we had developed characters on resonance we basically had been improvising um between ourselves and then decided rather nonchalantly to just go to just turn up in resonance um which was a an arts radio station and they had an office in denmark street we said what would it be like if we just turned up and said hey we're comedians and we just like to improvise on a radio station how do you feel about that and uh (laughs) just like would it blow your minds uh and (laughs) and yeah and that's exactly what happened we knocked on the door and we walked in and there was two guys kind of in glasses and and black jackets and we said hey we're julian jessica and we want to just come and improvise on your radio station and they were like yeah great fine cool so that sort of just happened and we started improvising live on radio so we did it over a period of months and we were going through various different things and a few characters came out of it and two yeah. of the characters were these sort of middle-aged women Lizzie and Sarah so they were the first when we eventually I was kind of reluctant but when we eventually then went and took it and pitched it as a tv series Lizzie and Sarah the two middle-aged women were the first two characters that we developed then into an actual half hour show which would had we been commissioned been a part of a series but in the end up yeah just so it was because it, it's it kind of pretty much was self-contained it would the, yeah the, the idea the, would have been to kind of create like sort of a, ones, a series yeah. of vignettes of different characters and they weren't always all as dark as that no but um but they were they were the first ones so well, they're great because they, they really captured the i mean it's interesting you play both the older women and the younger love interest yeah. women that the husbands are interested in <laughs> yeah yeah which is kind of a funny twist on it but yeah. they're very they are very recognisable, those very polite 
who were Airbnb yeah, those women. Yeah, no, I, I sort of remember those women being around, or women who, you know, are sort of sort of desperately um, trying to having been completely destroyed by kind of marriage and yeah. uh, horrible uh, sort of um, destructive destructive uh, sort of marriages and husbands. Yeah. How they, uh, having lost all self esteem, kind of almost in and a kind of madness begin to sort of rationalise the abuse that they that they experience. And then we, we turn it into comedy. Uh, <laughs> but we, it felt like the right thing to do. It, what, you know, it, these sort of coaches who sort of say, no, don't worry, you know, why do you want to go on, why do you want to go on holiday with me? You know, he doesn't want to look at my big fat face over the table. You know, it's sort of like these, these women who were very <laughs> kind of sort of real in my, in my sort of, um, in, in, in a part of my kind of... Yeah. So what happened with, did, did the BBC, was it the BBC or was it... Uh, was it? Yeah, it was a BBC. It was, and they I think they... the current the comedy commission at the time didn't enjoy it. Didn't like, didn't think it was funny, and sort of didn't commission it. So, what a prick! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me so many times. That I can't really. I can't. Really, it's it's well, you know, there's, I think they. Well, are you working with uh, Julia? Yeah, we sort of talk about it. I hope to. You know, yeah. I know she's just about to do. She's just about to land Hunderby, right? Like like a kind of big comedy spaceship that's yeah. about to land. That's two specials that we can all look forward to. Yeah. And then I don't know. I hope, I'm going to ha- catch her. I'm hoping I might bump into her. Maybe. Well, you're both in quite Finsbury busy. Park. <laughs> maybe outside a kebab shop. Yeah. One Tuesday night <laughs> soon, and I can say, Julia, when are we going to work together again? She goes, Oh, let's meet up tomorrow, and then we'll, and then we'll maybe do something. Yeah. But yeah, you you were sort of in everything that has ever been. Well, so, it's a little bit of an exaggeration. Well, it's only slightly. <laughs> uh, and uh, I've had both uh, uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and uh, Edgar Wright on uh, this show. So I've mm. talked about uh, six pairs of pants. Oh, before. yeah. Can you remember all the, who the six pairs of pants were? Oh, Simon yeah, Neil couldn't... Malarkey, um, Simon Chatsberger, oh, Katie yeah. Carmichael, yeah. Uh, Simon Pegg, uh, me, um, Sally Phillips. Got it. Very, and that's very it, good. I think. Well done. Yeah. Simon, Simon Pegg couldn't do that, so that's very good. You're like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Brad Pitt. I mean. <laughs> it's very Tom, confusing. Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise I, um, no. <laughs> it's nice that he's worked with Simon Chatsberger and Tom Cruise. Simon, yeah. who's the guy what? from... It is, uh, it is good. It he's is from great. the Yellow Pages ad. Was, it the, was he the French Polisher's Yellow Pages advert? Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Very possible. You could save my <laughs> life. Good. No, I can't Very quote good. anything that Simon Pegg did from the 1990s. So that is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Was he J.R. Hartley as well? I'm not sure. But, um, do you remember much about doing six pairs of pants? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a really good memory. Have you? Like, yeah, kind of unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, I do have a good memory, yeah. <laughs> Is it the, was it your first major TV thing? Uh, it was my first comedy thing. No I, no, I kind of had a bit of a weird sort of, you know, flurry of work then in my teens because I had an agent, unusual, you know, and I had an agent quite young. Yeah. And then actually, only retrospectively now, I realised that, that, that I'd made a mistake refusing to, to strip down to my bikini right. for... Um, uh, uh, oh, who's the guy who runs um, Miramax? Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, he'd sent over a tape... Uh, somebody to audition me <clears throat> as a part I'd already got and then I was sort of I'd had an interview with her because I'd done a f- couple of films yeah. and um, he said we want to kind of re-interview you but you have to wear a bikini and I sort of because I was a sort of feisty 
sort of person who said, okay, like the world should not work like that, okay? Because you're not going to judge me on my body. So I decided to just do a really sarcastic sort of interview to camera. And then Kel Surprise. <laughs> that was the sort of end of that trajectory. The world and does I was, work like that, it turns yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> actually, guess what? Uh, and then... Um, and then I didn't really think about it because I was quite sort of... Uh, I didn't really think about things too much. I just... Yeah. I didn't really wonder why then, five months later, I was doing repertory theatre at the West Yorkshire Playhouse. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's what I was doing five months later, um, playing Grandma title in Fiddler on the Roof. Um, but, like, then... So, for a couple of years then, I was just sort of still waitressing and working and waitressing and working. And then I got into a... a a friend I met at the International Youth Theatre, Katie Carmichael, we'd started to do comedy together. We were doing different characters and live sort of shows, stand-up and characters, yeah. you know, and uh, she was really good at being proactive and she knew that there was this audition going on for a sketch show and yeah. I didn't know anything about it. She was like, we've got to go along, we're going to go along. <clears throat> and so that's when we went along <clears throat> and I'd done... I'd done... So I'd done sort of... Oddly, I'd done some sort of films and I'd done a training video and I'd done plays and I'd sort of done a few things but yeah then I just went along to the sketch show and then we all picked up sketches that were on the on the table and I remember Simon Pegg's one which was about Spider-Man being in it was a guy who thought he was Spider-Man being in rehab and um and he'd written it for himself but I did it as as a sort of gouged out kind of heroin addict (laughs) and um and I got laughs and I remember him kind of looking at me sort of (laughs) and uh but just thinking oh that's a different way of doing it but we 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 all just sort of then started to work together then yeah yeah so you'd sort of got into comedy yourself but were you performing in clubs together at that point yeah I was performing in clubs then yeah yeah. Yeah. so we, we we but I was still young because I hadn't gone to drama school so I was still only about 21 or 22 right so so i sort of just started to sort of perform basically whenever yeah. i could and then the sketch show just changed that and um and we just started to then it was kim fuller who was sort of overseeing it yeah. and he was trying to encourage us all to write and i was just started to write monologues so really writing comedy monologues and comedy characters was was the beginning of actually writing something and then it getting translated onto television yeah that was that was sort of the, the beginning of it uh, cool, and that, that led to Asylum, which again is quite—I watched some of that. Yeah, which was quite—it was quite an obscure. Yeah, know, I think that was a Paramount production that was kind of that was halted because, um, well, Tim Vine didn't want to do it because he felt it was wrong to make jokes about people who were in asylums. Yeah. Whereas I had no, I had no moral. Uh, <laughs> As long as they weren't wearing a bikini, it was fine. (laughs) As long as she's, yeah, so she doesn't have to get her tits out, that's fine. Um, But, um, uh, yeah, so then then we started doing Asylum with, um, and that's when I met Julian Barrett, because Julian Barrett was in that. Yeah. And um, Edgar was directing it, and Simon then was in it, having come from uh, um, Six Pairs of Pants, but he was, but I think that was, Edgar had been doing the shorts with David and Matt, they'd been doing because basically what happened in the Paramount Comedy Channel which is sort of where a little explosion of comedy had happened it was a sort of really bizarre sequence of events 
they had had a fire in the offices in Nickelodeon on Rathbone Place. And instead of then just replacing it with office space, they decided to use the insurance money and create a tiny little studio. And as a result of that, the the comedians that were working were able to then use that studio in a really kind of spontaneous and low-budget way to make things, which is where uh, they did Puppet, Who Lives in My House, which was David Williams and Matt Lucas. And that's when they started working with Edgar, who was then sort of just new, fresh out of kind of his fistful of fingers. And um, I knew David Williams from the National Youth Theatre because he he'd been there at the same time and Matt at the same time. I so they'd brought me in and I'd done a few things with them. Yeah. And uh, so that's when I first met Edgar, and then Edgar then moved on and did Asylum, which was something that Paramount had developed. Um, and they were looking. They had Tim Vine. Tim Vine left. And then Simon, because I'd worked with him on Six Pets of Pants, said, "Oh, Jess, it'd be good. Bring her." And so I then came in and started. Then we were all basically writing Asylum as it was happening. So yeah. we were kind of writing our characters and all living in an ex um, care home in Cobham. <laughs> it was so. It was. It was so. It was unbelievably low budget. It was. It was this. It was. It was a derelict child it was a derelict disabled child's home it was right. so depressing and i will never forget <laughs> like seeing on a pin board downstairs one of the only remaining remnants of the children's existence <laughs> and it was just this child's drawing of the enola gay <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was and i'm not even joking it was so haunted but we were <laughs> And we were, we were all sleeping because there was no room, there was no, there was no budget for accommodation or anything. So we were all sleeping in all the rooms. Yeah. So we could finish filming at 11 and start again at 6. I mean, there was no regulation. There was no, no. we just, in order to get what we, in, ever, in order to achieve what we achieved, particularly because Edgar had a specific idea of what he wanted to make, yeah. we basically had to sort of live in this, in this home for however many weeks. Wow. And that's when I met Julian Barrett, and um, Simon was obviously in it. Yeah. Um, I think I travelled into work a few times with him and his mini that was completely on its last legs. I remember a few <laughs> times him literally getting out and trying trying to beat it up. Um, but yeah, so so it was it was it was, um, and then out of Asylum, basically, we had then Simon, a, a producer who'd been on Simon, had said because me and Simon had both been writing on on Asylum. Yeah. do you two want to do anything together and, and I said yeah I've got an idea and so then that's sort of then then how the next stage was it something you, were you wanting to work together or were you put together because of that was it something did you feel we like we were you put were... together because um, we'd we'd worked together we did our, 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 on in Asylum yeah. we'd worked together really well and we'd worked on Six Pairs of Pants together. And yeah. then the producer had, set, had thought that as performers, we worked together well, that we had a kind of good yeah. sort of performance energy and a similar kind of, you know, uh, we had a rapport. So he said, sure. well, you two should write something. You should do something. You should create something and create your own thing. And so with Space, did you sit down and write it together or did you work well, separately? Well, we oh, I think we had a chat about it. I had an idea yeah. for something. I wanted to do something that was sort of going to be more like a sort of sitcom. I didn't want to do something that felt sketchy, uh, you know, I wanted to do something that had legs. Yeah. And so, and I had been at that point then living out of, I'd been living in London and doing all kinds of things. For, by then, I was sort of 24. So it's like, you know, kind of six years working in restaurants and doing all of that. And I was, and I was just wanted to make something about those experiences. I wanted yeah. to have a program on television that reflected, you know, my experiences and, you know, and sort of then, sort of then, thought and created a world which 
and I was just desperate to work with Simon again. Yeah. So I wanted to sort of write him like the best possible part that he would definitely not be able to refuse. <laughs> right. and, and I wanted Julian to be in it as well, but he 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 couldn't be. So right. it was Mark Heap, but Mark Heap was brilliant as well. Yeah. And, well, it was amazing. Know. It was an amazing cast of uh, people we got together. I mean, and obviously Edgar directing it. And... Yeah, I mean, he came on quite late. He was on quite late. He he came in after the sort of. Um, we, you know, he he kind of came in after we'd we'd sold it to, to to LWT. We'd gone to LWT, and it was Humphrey Barclay who was the executive, and he was sort of he didn't really start. I don't understand it. I love it. We'll make it. It's great. I want to do it. It's great. It sounds great. Brilliant. And so he he had um, he just said yes, and and um, so we then were getting ready to go and putting a team together, and we were like, well, Edgar's obviously the best director, so yeah. he's going to direct it. So then he came on board. It's kind of interesting. I think a lot of the shows that really hit as comedies are kind of made by a team of people who are sort of left to get on with it and maybe the executives don't quite get it but give them the... They say, go ahead and get on with it. Is that, do you think that's fair or is it... I couldn't really say... I mean, no. I don't know. It sounds like a really easy, nice, like, obvious... Yeah, definitely it's true. I don't know if that's really true or not for actual... Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I mean, in our case it was true, but I, I don't know if that's always true. It depends... You know, because sometimes things are just shit and someone needs to kind of get involved, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I really don't know. I don't know. I'm, but I do think that um, if you have people who have strong creative vision, that, that, yeah. that allowing them to, a chance, an opportunity to, to do it, I mean, is, is, is the best way to get the best, you know, work yeah. out of them, definitely. And yeah. when you're young... You're kind yeah. of working really hard and prepared yeah, to sleep in an asylum to You're overnight. To sleep in the next <laughs> with no children's home. On yeah, exactly. Yeah, you will do. You will do that because you have you have an energy for what you for what you are doing. But yeah. you had a family quite young, didn't you? you was, was yeah, I mean, before? I was pregnant when we were just at writing the last few months of writing. Right. So yeah. I remember writing based when Gabriel was two weeks old. Right. He was on my shoulder. Simon came over to the flat and I was like, you know, we were writing together, yeah. Yeah, because I think it's interesting looking at your career and uh, it feels like you're, you know, you, it feels like you could easily have gone to America. Obviously, very early on, you could have gone to America and done yeah. stuff and you've obviously done movies. And, but is, is your family grounding you in the UK or is that something that you want to stay in the UK? Or yeah, I that... wouldn't say grounding. I would say more sort of like, almost like a millstone. Like, <laughs> kind of like, almost like a sort of heavy kind of like anchor <laughs> dragging me. <laughs> down under the water that sort of feeling no that's more of a they are like more that. of an accurate yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> description of it yeah. okay <laughs> so um, my fans will want to know about this you've been in uh, you've played two different characters in Doctor Who yeah oh, what's that about I? have I is that right oh yes then I have because yeah. I played the, the granddaughter too yeah yeah, yeah. That's true. That's great. So they were related. Well, they were, they, there was a connection between the two characters. Uh, they were, yeah, I guess so. I you think. kissed Doctor Who. Yeah, well, I kissed sorry, him in a dream in a parallel universe. Well, it still counts. Yeah, it certainly does. <laughs> How was he? Because he married one very of them. Very gentle, very sensitive. Them. Married one of the women he kissed, didn't he? It was, was it ten? It wasn't me. It wasn't me. No. It was the daughter of another... Do you mean in real life? Yeah, he married, oh, he married Doctor of, Who. Um, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Georgia. Davison. Yeah. Was, I don't uh, know that much about Doctor Who, but he did. Uh, <laughs> that, the Doctor married the Doctor's daughter, mm-hmm. and then yeah, that's right, isn't it? Imagine that. Going, those nerds are going crazy out there thinking about that. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's a good kisser. Ten, 
He was a very respectful actor okay. who I kissed professionally, <laughs> Richard Herring. Okay, so... I just because I was getting off last week on. Uh, Were you get, getting off on? What? I was getting off on Rob and, and Sharon having to have sex with each other for their work. What thinking it was quite a cool thing to do. It was quite cool being able to yeah, kiss, quite, kiss other people, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I suppose so. I mean, it's. I think at different times, maybe. Do but... you get any choice if you don't like the person? You say, "I don't think our characters I think would kiss." Actually, there's an actor who like um, when I did the Norman Conquest, right? Um, out with Stephen Mangan. Like, when we were trying to work out the scenes, he would say I was a bit tricky, definitely. <laughs> right. I was a little bit kind of... No, I just... I think it's a bit... I was a bit sort of awkward. It took me a while to kind of, you know, act it. You yeah. Know? A little bit awkward. Yeah, I didn't want to kiss him, though, do you? No, I think there's nothing wrong with that lovely, curly-haired, hairy little little fella. But, um... <laughs> he's no David Tennant. I don't... I'm oh, not come knock, on. I'm not he's... He's a whole other world, David Tennant. Listen, there's no comparison, Richard. There's no comparison. Okay. You know, but, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I can be a bit awkward about things like that. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. But actually, once I'm kind of, you know, like, I get it, I work it out, I'm fine. I can do it. Cool. I'll ask you, uh, <laughs> I'll ask you an emergency question. Oh, go uh, on. Would you rather... Really? Uh, is that, does that mean it's going badly? No, it means that, okay. that people will want to That's hear this. That's what I immediately think. Uh, it means that I'm, I'm bad. I'm bad. You're, you're going badly. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, would you rather have... And also people will get upset if I don't ask them occasionally. Okay. Okay. Uh, what, would you rather have a tit that dispenses talcum powder? Yeah. Or a finger that can travel through time? A finger that can travel through well, time? Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What would you do with your finger if it could travel through time? Oh, I'd Backwards, just go forwards. and poke people who deserve to be poked. <laughs> like, who'd... eternally, like, people in history who've yeah, really you, done who... bad things. Who's got your goat in history? Well, I mean, I don't want to be... I don't want to say anybody obvious. Yeah, like, I want to try say. and think of, like, really... Oh, I'm just trying... No, don't, because I'm quite, I can get quite literal. Okay, and then no, it all gets fine. quite boring and pedantic. No, believe me, that no, no, is, no, no, what, no, that no, is really, what this honestly. podcast is all about. No. <laughs> <laughs> it cannot get too pedantic. Well, Who that's would not I entirely poke? true. Okay. <laughs> Who would I poke? I'm just trying to think of someone... <laughs> No, please move on, because I will, honestly... And no, I, will... I, want, I'm, I want to wait. We've got, we've got all the time in the world. Because <laughs> I genuinely want to answer the question correctly. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I'm trying to think of someone specific, okay? Um, because the, the only problem is, is with this question... Yeah. You've asked me, who would I specifically poke? Yeah. Which, therefore... I mean, obviously, there's the despots. There's the kind of Idi Amin's. There's, yeah. the, there's the people who've, you know... Do you think a poke is enough for Idi Amin? <laughs> Do you think that would... I think that kind of the balance, the score sheet. Well, at least he's been poked. <laughs> a lot, though, not you just once. I am very, very annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> if I could do more than this, I would. But this is all I can do. Yeah, but you can go quite Stalin. Yeah. Would you not worry that it was the poking? You... The poking might have made them mad and do all their crimes. <laughs> That's how history, that's how time travel works. <laughs> there might have been a regular guy, Idi Amin, uh, thinking, oh, I'll do some Oh, nice I'm poked all the time. Kill them, kill them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Gotta be careful with this power. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe you should have gone for the, de- the talcum powder tip. No, There's nothing. I'd never go for that. There's nothing I would that never have won talcum powder coming out of my own breast. Yeah. No thanks. In an infinite amount. No, absolutely no way. Not, no way. No way. Not interested. No. I think it'll be quite good. I think the talcum powder tit is overlooked by most people. 
they don't think you know, there's, other, there's a yeah. lot of power there's a lot of responsibility with the time travelling <laughs> finger that I don't think most people appreciate um, see so we're talking about the name Richard I've got a uh, feature called Desert Island Dicks where you, which eight Richards would you take on a desert island wow room? can I even think of Richards uh, no, well, that's, can I all be you the problem is if, no I'm there I'm there already the it's only my thing is, is I'll, just pick, I'll just find the only Richards that I can that's what, that's what it is of. it's can you think of eight Richards it's harder than you think <laughs> a, that's the game yeah it's difficult people get to about three Richard. My mind's complete. I'm terrible yeah. in these sorts of pressure situations. Well, that's good. It's good to find. Oh my god! That. Like eight Richards. All know, I can think of is Richard the Third. <laughs> that's all right. He can Richard be the there. Third. Oh, well, that gives you a clue um, to two more. I would say. <laughs> oh god! Oh, Richard. Richard the Third would be quite fun to have on Desert Island. I think he'd be. I don't know. Do you know what? He he'd be quite fun to have. On a desert island. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't necessarily want to be in his kind of court or around him when he was kind of the grumpy king, yeah. you know. But like on a desert island, we'd, it would be a level playing field there. So yeah. I'd, I'd be happy with that. Okay. So maybe all the King Richards on yeah. a desert island and then I would take over. So yeah. that's, well, that's maybe... I mean, you've set yourself a challenge there because yeah, they are already natural leaders. Yeah, but they, not on a desert island. Wow. But they're used to leading. They're used to being yeah. kings. I think... I mean, you could turn them against each other. Exactly. That's the plan. Yeah. divide and conquer. Possibly. I could try that. Okay. And then be killed myself, <laughs> probably. <laughs> There's probably... It's a, it's a, Richard is a weird name because it's a dying name. Is it's it weird. really oh, yeah. a dying There's no I young people called no, Richard. No, 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 no. There'll be no the whole... Calls, you know, it'll, it'll come back. In it'll the 1960s, you know, my brother's called David, I'm called Richard. Those were like proper 1960s names. But now no one... I mean, people are still called David, but no one's called Richard anymore. Aren't they really? Anyone under 10 here called Richard? <laughs> See? That's a sample of 300 people, not a single <laughs> under 10 Richard in here. So that proves it. Um, I will go back to non-emergency questions, because yeah. there's, lots, there's lots of things to talk about. Let's talk... Well, let's talk about confetti, oh, yeah. because we had Robert Webb on the oh. other week. He wasn't that um, uh, complimentary about the film Confetti and, and the working experience. I can of kind confetti. of guess what that area <laughs> okay. might have been, which I won't go into. That's his area. That is his area. That's Did his you, lovely area. You, That's his beautiful area. You weren't naked in Confetti. I wasn't, no. no. Which probably helped... Certainly the to film, enjoy the I'm sure. enjoyment of it. Well, I mean, you know, I certainly... I just can't... I don't want to, do you know? Yeah. I can't. Because no. I don't want to disrespect them or their feelings about it, okay. you know. Um, so I, I shouldn't really... I okay. don't want to comment. Because um, it's like... By not I, commenting, not... you've said everything you need to say. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, let's move on to happier times. According to... <laughs> how about according to Bex? What about that? Oh, wow, man. <laughs> Oh, what an experience that I was. I think that was written by... Uh, Larry, it was... Maybe, I think Dan Tetzel wrote on it, who some of the people in the audience will know. I think he yeah. was one of the writers. It was an American guy who came over and wanted to... Right. He had worked on... Um, I think he'd worked on Seinfeld. He was an American yeah. um, sitcom writer and he wanted to try and do something in England and he decided that this was it, a kind of studio sitcom. And um, it was the first studio sitcom I'd ever done and yeah. it was... Um, it was it was a strange experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. quite interesting because it's a more mainstream sitcom than um, Spaced, certainly. Well, I, I wouldn't... 
yeah, I mean, mainstream is yeah. that is that what is that euphemism for <laughs> shit? I mean, I don't know. What do you what do you what say? You... Mainstream doesn't always mean it was just ill conceived. Yeah, it it had no you know it was it was his idea I think for for a sitcom that would appeal yeah. to people who lived in strange attic flats. You know, it, yeah. it was it was just a bit you know wasn't particularly you, you... know. But it was quite important mm. for you, though, I think, to go through that, was it? Do you think? And then to realise that you didn't want to do... It was absolutely not important for no. me to go through that. <laughs> and I wish I fucking hadn't, no. actually. Uh, but I did, and so, hey-ho, you know, what are you going to do? But do you not think that those things, <laughs> they help you realise... Well, they help you realise realize when you shouldn't do something. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> no, one, no one remembers according Let's to Bex anymore. more of those. No, they don't. I mean, it doesn't, you know, I, you know, yeah... You sacked your agent after it. Is that true? Is that well, the... I didn't really sack her. I just said, I did keep saying, I don't want to do it. And yeah. then I somehow ended up doing it, which was my own responsibility. It wasn't yeah. really her fault. I didn't sack her. I just, I'd been with her for a while by that point And, you know, then... it, fe- it felt like I was, it felt like an ineffectual way of exercising power that I, that I had obviously not exercised at the correct time. <laughs> it was a petulant and probably quite <laughs> quite a worthless and pointless thing to do but yes i moved agents Richard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, good, it's good to know it's possible so um, yeah it certainly is <laughs> can, can and uh well, uh, well it's, it is interesting your decision well you know that you that you change you having been very successful as jessica stevenson you changed yeah. your you changed your working name which is quite an unusual thing to yes. happen yeah you, what, is there a reason you made that choice? Or is, well, there's I mean, lots of reasons. I mean, you know, I think I just decided that I was more of a Hines than I was a Stevenson and right. that I was more comfortable being that and that's what I wanted to be. Yeah. So I made a decision, um, you know, on my own again without <laughs> telling anyone. <laughs> really informed, it informed and well thought through uh, decision yeah. that I really had spent a lot of time you know pouring over all the ins and outs and then in a sensible and <laughs> I like it I think it's good you know I but I don't I don't, do, I don't you know I don't I, I kind of don't regret it I mean it's weird actually one of the things I really used to get annoyed about was travelling overseas I've got family in Canada and I'd have I'd have I'd I don't know, a few times, you know, I'd go and I had to just have a different name for my son. And I just yeah. remember a couple of times getting stopped at the airport and then saying, well, so where are your papers? Where is the letter that allows you to take the, this child through to Canada? And I said, well, I don't need papers because he's my son. On your passport, you are Jessica Stevenson and your son is Gabriel Hines. If you wish to bring your son into Canada, we need a letter of authorization <laughs> from your husband. And I just remember not hating Canada, because I love Canada. I mean, you know, I like all that, all those rules. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it just, I just thought, God, it'd be just so much easier. And I know, I mean, in a way, it's probably easier just to be privately Heinz on my passport. Yeah. Oh, I would know. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. So maybe there's more reasons why I would like to be Heinz, but I just wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be that to be my name. Yeah. That's how I changed it. But see, it seems to me that your family... A little, again, bit, of a, little bit of a pattern there. Well, yes, trying out Tallulah. Changing trying names, out Hines. But also choosing... I think, you know, it's a, I think it's a really cool thing because it's about loving your family and wanting to be part of the family. I mean, Not it's, so much. I mean, you know... Well, again, you say this, but I think there's this... No, 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 um, it is. Of course it is. Of yeah. course it is. But I don't want to kind of make out that if you don't change your name, you don't love your family no, because no. there's plenty of women who don't change their name 
who, who <laughs> I think are pretty much entitled to say that they love their children of and course, their family. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I think it's a personal decision. Yeah. And, I know, and, you know, I know women who, who love their name so much. I've got a friend who loves her surname and she doesn't want to change her surname. And her husband said, oh, I don't mind, I'm really bothered about mine. And so they've just changed... And they don't want to go back double barrel, so they so it's her name. Yeah, seems fair enough to me. You know, like you you should be able to choose. And some people go double barreled. I was very happy to be behind, so I just decided that's what I wanted to do. The so. double barrel thing, though, leads to you know, it's fine for now, but it leads to problems in future generations. <laughs> Does if it? That, well, if that keeps well, happening, what would be your double barrel well, solution? I'd be, I'd, well, I'd, well, if your your child's double barrel solution, if you did, but then it do doesn't that. matter. Fine if it's you know, it'd be herring Wilkins or Wilkins herring if we if we'd done that. It isn't. We chose Herring because it's clearly a superior name. And it's better uh, and yeah. it's more Imagine important. Marrying me. If you married me, you'd have said, no, I'm sticking with Stevenson. Yeah, that's that. Jessica Herring. No, I'm uh, sure I would have changed my name to Herring <laughs> if I'd married you. But it's like, you know, five generations on when everyone's, you know, Herring, Wilkins, Smith, Jones. You know, you've got, you've got to make a decision somewhere. So people have to make it. Just toss a coin, maybe. Yeah, you could toss a, or you could just toss a coin. Or really well, no, shout at each other till I, I, one of you I, I, think, I, think, I think in the end, like most things, most good things, it, you know, it, it comes from, you know, I mean, it didn't in this case, I just made the decision. Yeah. But, you know, in these circumstances, it's just, you just talk about it, don't you? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, a, it's an odd suggestion, but it, you know, but it, 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 it's always the end the end of the road yeah. you have to talk about it and decide well, which way you're going to go I think if we're going to do it but I suggest this to Victoria Corrin I got into lots of trouble with her whereas I think oh, I'm yeah. being very right on I think um, family trees and names should go through the mother because we can only be sure that the mother is definitely the mother yeah she thought I was saying all women are whores by that which I was which you were was, saying that well, you were I'm saying, saying everyone, that as I'm, well I'm saying that, but well, just everyone, not only yeah. everyone is a whore so lots of people don't have the father they think they have but everyone has the mother pretty much everyone yeah sometimes you can there can be accidents no I agree with, so, no I agree so certainly in family tree terms it's a you know if you go back four generations it's meaningless because you know you're really telling me the royal family I think we go back two generations and we're not, we're not doing too well with that Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm so bad. If you go back to Richard III, you know, all the, yeah. it's, have all the, have all the, uh, all the dads, the dads, and no, so. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. So, you know, I'd say we should, so go back to Stevenson 
Would you go but back? that wouldn't have been my mother's name yeah, anyway. My okay. mother's maiden name was Beckerman. Oh, that's true. So, I could so have we been have that, to. But, well, we know. have to then work all the way back. Exactly. Whatever Eve's surname was. Exactly. I think it was Eve Harris. But do you know it, was. it wasn't Eve? You know? Do you know there was a there was Lilith? Before there was Eve. Lilith before. Did that. you know that? I, well, I bet know you that. did know that. Actually, well, you and would know that. Did you? You know, would know that, wouldn't you? Did you know also it's all just made up and it's not true? <laughs> Richard, what? <laughs> We'd go back, we'd all be Ian Amoeba, that's what we'd be called. There, there wouldn't heliotropes. even be a sex, there's none, there's an asexual. I'd be a little heliotrope, you'd yeah. be a little amoeba. That'd and then we'd just have a little thing on a comet, we have to go back to whatever that thing was called. They found yeah. life on that comet. You know that well, comet found, in they space? Found, they, they found, found water, life. Yeah. It's like they page. found water. They found, you know that comet they sent that thing to? You'll know. Yeah, yeah. Phoebe. What's Phoebe? That's my daughter. Uh, so uh, I should know it's called Phoebus or something, it's called it. All right, fuck off. Uh, we've got, if you're going to shout, you've got to get it right first time. That is, that's the Wikipedia Borg mind. Um, there's, it was on like page 12 of The Guardian or something. There's life, you know, there's an odd chemical reaction in there. They, can't, they didn't put anything on the mm. comet that could search for life on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the probe. Because right. that would be fucking stupid waste of time. It's a comet in the middle of space. But apparently there's something on there that, would be, that could be classified as life. So that's well, maybe where we came from. That's what I'm saying. From yeah, no, comment. I'm hearing you, and I'm I'm interested. God, but like <laughs> some little he sprinkled. God, some, so God. Yeah, God started it. Somewhere he's out there. Yeah, God started it. Yeah, but it just he not Adam and Eve. Come on. That's insane. <laughs> it, was, it was Adam and a strange thing on a comet. Not Adam and Eve. Bacteria. What? Yeah, Adam bacteria. and some bacteria. Not Adam and Eve. So anyone who isn't marrying some bacteria, <laughs> what you're doing is. It's wrong. Um, well, 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 how do we get on to this? Uh, so, uh, was good. it was good you changed your name. Did it confuse loads of people? Did they think you were a different person? And did you, no, did some you people just didn't even care. Most yeah. people didn't care. The majority of people didn't care. Made Three people furious. cared, Made probably. Three people cared. Yeah. No one else cared. Okay. You know, my mum's... Oh, no, not my, my, my friend's dad... Yeah. said, oh, I don't know why you did that. <laughs> I don't know why you did that. Why did you do that? I don't know why you did that. And that was about two years after I'd done it. Why did you, why did you do that? I don't know why. What did you do that for? And that was really the only real comment yeah. that, I, that I got about the whole still thing. Still, I mean, he's your friend's dad, so that is quite a... Yeah, I respected his opinion, <laughs> sure. I mean, that's why I brought it up. But that happened two years after it happened. By then it was too late. And I said, I know, it was too late now. And he went, oh, dear. Why did you do that? Why? I just think keep changing it every now and again. Just keep changing it. Do you reckon? Yeah, just to keep everyone on the toes. You're doing quite well. So, you know, I think it just... Even I don't want to do that. Gives I don't want to do chance. that. I think one's enough. One's enough. Okay. I mean, the, the the other worrying thing is when you do it, it's the kiss of death. Yeah. Once you've done it, that means that's it. You're just you're you're imminently going to get a divorce as <laughs> soon as you change your name. But luckily, so far, <laughs> that hasn't happened. Right, I've got a request. I've paid, people have paid. To, there's a man has paid. Well, I'm assuming a, man it's a man has paid. A man has paid to ask you this question. Has Sixty he? pounds. Has he? Yep. Al, you can have, you can, I'll give you the 60 quid. Okay. He's called Al Coulthard. Are you in Al Coulthard? He's no. not here. Uh, he says, I recently spent 60 quid on this, which in hindsight appears to have been a bit over the odds. In, hinds, in hindsight. <laughs> Very good, Al. Already, you're on to a winner. Just to get Richard Herring to ask a question and essentially do his job for him. So I didn't expect an essay of criticism here. I was just trying to... 
Don't complain. Don't do it and then complain about doing it. You could not have done it. So when is the last time you mildly regretted pissing away a relatively large sum of money? And what did you waste it on? Oh, a TP. It's very easy. Is it? A TP. A TP? Yeah. (laughs) When did you buy a TP? Around, around about the same time as I changed my name, actually, <laughs> yeah. Richard. Yeah, and what, was were you, a, what was the plan for the TP? I was going to give it to my mother for her birthday. Right. Yeah. And then you decided she, she said, wouldn't Why want... did you buy me a TP? <laughs> and I honestly couldn't answer that question. <laughs> Where did you buy the TP? Did you buy it at a festival? I bought it from a place called McCuntleth. Oh, in, I know McCuntleth. In, in Wales. Yeah. There's a, is it the TP capital? Were you staying it's in a TP and thought cap- capitals. I have we to have spent one of these. A, like a hurricane for summer in the TP. Yeah, and then my husband gave himself a, a hernia trying to take it down. It was right. it was a, it was a di- it was a difficult time. Yeah, yeah. And you thought, well, my mum needs one of these. Um, <laughs> an older no, lady. No, it, it would it had been given to her. At right. that point. Yeah, okay. we'd, we'd erected it for her. Okay. Yeah. She didn't like it. So you wasted that. How much? He does want to know. How much? He has. You don't have to say what you think a relatively large sum of money is. Aside, I really want to know what you think a relatively large sum of money is. What with you being on the telly and that as well. I mean, Al Coutard is slightly taking the piss. I I think I should get some more money off him. The key word here is relative. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The key word is relative. Relative to what? I mean, what? What is? Well, he spent sixty pounds on this. Which means he's obviously loaded. uh, It seems to me he's obviously not got you know i mean he's not got a small amount of money no. to to piss up against the wall if well he's he has to... less now <laughs> he's got 60 pounds to spend on that question what um, did you do with the tp after after your mother had rejected it well it was then donated i think to some local sort of like got center for native americans for really don't displaced know. native americans <laughs> And they said, do you really think we want to knock off Welsh teepee? How dare you insult our culture? How dare you? <laughs> did I just do that? Yeah, did. I did. You did? Yeah, I fucking did. <laughs> That'll be the next BBC thing. The Native American character. <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened to ants in the marmalade? Has that come out? The, Are you book joking? Out? This is no. you just got the off Wikipedia. I did. If you could... Maybe later. Could you show me how to take that off? <laughs> I've seen it in a newspaper article. When it's, if it's in Wikipedia, I then check it and see so if it's somewhere annoying. else. Is it not a real thing at it all? It was a real thing yeah. that I did with my friend who's an illustrator. And we wrote the story, <clears throat> but it never got published. And it just seems like, you know, it, 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 you know, we wrote it all and made it all happen, like on the paper. Yeah. But then nobody wanted to publish it. So it's sort of, you know, it, <clears throat> it's there as a reminder of, of, of an un... Should I self-publish? Yeah, How self-publish. do I do that? What really do I do? Really easily. Okay, maybe I should look into just, it again. You know, it's a beautiful, like he did beautiful illustrations, yeah. and it was just about about um, uh, a little kid spending the weekend with his dad. So it's kind of all set in the seventies because I wanted to kind of I like the idea of a children's book that has a sort of gritty edge to it. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, uh, so it was sort of set in the seventies, and it was about a kid going to stay with his dad at, at the weekend. And the dad sort of being quite a bit sort of maverick and swigging beer, and then and then them him making marmalade. But then in the morning, all the ant, the, mar- the ants get in the marmalade. Yeah. But then he eats the marmalade anyway. And it's all about how you know, even even when your parents get divorced, that you know sometimes it's okay. That was kind of what it was about. You know, no, 
Yeah, yeah that's I'm it. Gonna write. Everyone seemed to be worried then at that point. That was actually just a joke. It was just a joke. It was just about how yeah. ants get in the marmalade, you yeah. know, and you eat it anyway and it's okay, you know. I'm going to write one from the ants' perspective. Are you a vegetarian? No. Just I really care about ants. I had okay. loads. I had loads of ants. I mean, I used to kill ants when I was a kid. I, if I, if there was a we all do. a book about okay, that, Richard. I was awful. Though. It's okay. Listen, let to, the guilt go. Let it go. I used to. Put, we all did. I put newspaper down in the greenhouse until they all what swarmed onto it. Yeah. And then I set that on fire. Yeah. <laughs> How did it feel? It was good. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like a god, <laughs> and they had displeased me. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, that'll be good. Uh, you've rapped for Snoop Dogg. I've seen. I've seen you rapping. I rapped you rapped for, for him. him. I rapped a, in his vicinity. He made you do a rap. He wanted you to. He do did. It. He, he did. He did. He, he didn't make me do a rap. He he he, he allowed me. He, he invited me <laughs> after I sort of said, "Do you think it's okay?" And he said, but you're yeah, an amazing give singer. Snoop a snippet. You're no, an ama- I'm not. An you are an amazing singer. singer. That was really painful watching that on television well, because that's... they kind of were joining in a bit more and actually having watched it back it looked like me in a sort of echo chamber with a sort of far away bumble of, of slightly embarrassed audience members clapping really slowly <laughs> and not that in time and me kind of laboring this sort of really sort of stilted 80s rap that I was scraping from the back of my brain it looked it was quite painful oh, I you don't, let's it. not pretend I enjoyed it um, but I've seen you at karaoke circus singing like properly proper singing have you which yeah. one not a, a good one it not a bad a, one amazing you're oh. an incredibly good singer oh thank you have you done anything? Have you done musicals? Well, I did musical. Oh, I did musical when I was at the youth theatre. That's yeah. the first thing I did as a sort of musical theatre. But I like singing. I mean, I've done. I did, I did a thing recently. A friend of mine was an artist in residence at the Handel Museum, which also has a Jimi Hendrix apartment that they're turning into a Jimi Hendrix flat. And she was trying to do a Jimi Hendrix sort of music thing and so she said would we like to she would she i'd met her because i'd got in touch with, i'd met her through a friend or something she plays the harp but she does sort of jazz and improvisation so yeah. we just did a sort of reimagining of Jimi hendrix tracks but with a di- completely different sort of spin on it so i do things like that but sure yeah sure sure i do good yeah, sure i do that sure i do that sure i play sure i sing Jimi <laughs> hendrix to a harp sure i do improvising it Mixing it up, you know, that's kind of stuff, stuff I do just, just <laughs> well, all the ama- time. You're no, an I don't, but like, I, I like, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, I like, I like, I like singing, yeah. but I don't do it like all the time. Well, I've noticed that you've barely <laughs> sung anything in this, <laughs> in this interview so far. I'm very disappointed. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, talk about, um, well, 2012 and W1A. Yes. Did you play the same character in those? Yes, I do. And you, well, you, get, you got this character, you, is this a character, you observe, I saw you saying you observed someone in yes. a shop. No, well, is actually, that... well, no more. I was channeling a producer, really. Really? But I shouldn't say that because then now I, I, I know that there are producers who feel even remotely like her. They, they look at me like, is that me? Yeah, and but there's people quite that... a lot of them who are like her, so <laughs> it can be getting a bit awkward. No, no, but um, no, it's just it, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a sense, isn't it, of a person yeah. that you kind of have a, an idea of. And, and with her, it was just this sort of the sense of being implacably confident and not letting anything kind of phase you, or you know. And so I, I thought of it was a distillation of this one person, yeah, and then a sort of just a little sort of you know just sort of tweaking it a bit but that was you know so there are real there are people who are really like that character i've met a few people like yeah. that yeah yeah and the bbc just, well just sort of <laughs> everywhere really yeah. who just 
well, I, like, I think I'm less like it now, but I think when I was younger, you know, I had a kind of sort of, uh, um, I would feel often quite kind of uh, just not very, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to cope if someone was just calm and confident and talked to me very directly. Yeah. I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't know, I would think I had to, you know, so I would end up sort of spinning myself into kind of, sort of whirlwind of nerves and and it, it was just I, I remember a lot of people kind of well no not a lot of people when I was younger just feeling quite on the spot I'm actually putting myself in that space right now of feeling intimidated <laughs> by by people who are just extremely confident and just very kind of implacable and yeah. just don't give anything away and you know won't give anything or kind of or get a, or take a joke on themselves or and you know what I mean you people you can't kind of yeah I think it's I think it's during a time when I was particularly probably quite a people pleaser so I was always trying to get a laugh or a gag or a response and then if I met someone who was confident enough to not feel they had to give me a gag or response it, I would, it would just turn me into a kind of <laughs> quivering wreck yeah. because I was just needing constant sort of affirmation that I was funny or likable and so those kinds of people would spin me out and but as a consequence i sort of gathered them as a <laughs> as a character reference basically yeah. and so that's that's who this person and that's, is so it's revenge on those people it's not really revenge because i've forgiven them richard <laughs> yeah, okay. obviously in understanding my own part in the exchange <laughs> i have forgiven them and understood they were just being themselves as i was <laughs> Do you- do you think the BBC are crazy to allow a show that kind of mocks the BBC at uh, this time, especially where the BBC is sort of I don't think so. being taken apart? I think it's probably the best time to do it because it, yeah. no, this, this show is not going to make any difference. The BBC is going to be taken apart, you know, yeah. like this show is just, and um, you know... It's documenting it's this documenting destruction. <laughs> it's documenting the destruction. In a thousand years' time, they'll go, and this is the point where the BBC... <clears throat> decide to give what it does is in a a lovely way it embodies the 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 genuine sense and commitment to real sort of satire and and, you know which is the thing that you lose when everything's kind of corporate and and money driven you know people can't you know somebody and an executive will say no i'm sorry but you can't uh you can mark us like this you know you can't kind of you know you can't make us look stupid because because there's a bottom line and it's money and in a situation in which the BBC is, you know, the bottom line isn't money, it's entertainment or at least it's a commitment to providing kind of programming for the British people. Yeah. But they're not answerable to a sponsor, which is why they're hated, you yeah. know, which is why Murdoch hates them. So, you know, like that something like this is 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 a is a way of saying, look, this is why we're here, because we laugh at ourselves. We encourage everyone to laugh at themselves and we, we can do it too and so I think it's a great thing for the BBC to do I don't think being part of it well thanks for helping to destroy the BBC so (laughs) so by using its goodness we're not destroying it you know no it's uh, it's, uh, I hope it you know I mean there's no point in saying any pointless kind of empty platitudes about it but you know it's it it is what it is you know well, it's, it's sort of, I mean, it just seems so crazy. I and mean, we're talking to Rob Delaney about the yeah. NHS and... Were you? Yeah. And he what does he have to say about it? He, well, he's saying it's amazing. Did he say, did he talk about hiking? <laughs> he did. <laughs> he was just going on and on. When I was uh, hiking up... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, we got these incredible things. We got the NHS and we got the BBC. And, like, we're not going... People aren't going, we have to save these things. You know, it's, mm. it's sort of just... By allowing people to chip away at them just gradually and allowing them, therefore, to become inefficient, mm. 
and then they go, oh, look, it doesn't work, so we've got to get rid of it. It's kind mm. of insane that we're, the, the British public are allowed to I think that's what some men do with marriages as well, actually, <laughs> I have to say. I think uh, it's a little parallel there. But anyway. Uh, um... <laughs> and then they'll end up being shot by their wives. Yeah, then they end up being killed. That's why. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> and are you giving free drama lessons to 20 state schools? Is that something? I'm going to go, and I'm going to go and sort of talk. So I think yeah. drama lessons is a bit rich. And also, I don't want to kind of interfere. Like, they've got curriculums and things to do. But I'm going to offer time. And I think what I'm probably going to do is do a sort of... Be a kind of... Uh, just talk positively about if you particularly want to get into kind of, you know, theatre or the arts, how you can do it, progress in terms of how I might have done it, but also ask, answer questions and talk about, um, you know, that it's, it's important to kind of be positive and, and mainly important to not feel that, that that's cut off from you just yeah. because you go to a state school. It's important to feel that it's an avenue that you can pursue. And I think if somebody directly tells you that, then it, it might have an effect, a positive effect. But I, I, I kind of thought a bit different ways of approaching it and I thought probably the best way is to be quite direct and keep it quite kind of short and simple. Because yeah. in some cases I'm going to go to schools that are in different parts of the country, so I'll probably have to travel quite far. Yeah. So I don't really know... But I think that what I have to do is kind of condense my message and, uh, you know, not kind of start leaping about doing miming. But, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, if that comes up, then, uh, you know, but, but it's, it's mainly about just saying it's, it's, I mean, I hesitate to use the phrase motivational, but that's effectively what it is. Yeah. It, it's just about a way of just spreading a bit of positivity, a bit of hope and saying, you know, it's not out of your reach. If you think it is and you think about how can I do that? How can I even get to drama school? How can I even do that? There's lots of other ways of doing it. Um, and and it's, if you feel like it's something you want to do, don't give up on it. You know, do it. Mm-hmm. You, can go, you can go and you can take part in a... I did a workshop at the Haymarket and there were these two lads who came up afterwards and one had sort of, not quite sure what they were from, probably burning the candle at both ends, but he had some sort of strange sort of sore. <laughs> he was really nice. He was really nice and really enthusiastic. And he was there with his mate and they, who was very quiet and he was saying, no, I love it. I love what you do and I love everything that you do. And like, we were really into performing. We were really into all of that, everything. And I, and I was saying, well, what do you do? And he said, well, we're college, we're college up in, uh, you know, Westminster. And I sort of said, well, you know, do you do any sort of performing or like, like sort of, you know, what sort of stuff do you do? I said, because did you know that Mark Heap, who was Brian in space, and he said, I love space, yeah. And he's, I said, he did 10 years of busking. That's what he did. 10 years before he got into any kind of straight acting. He started on the fringes and, and, and I said, and there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't do that. There's no reason why you can't start at any point, you know, uh, um, and literally I remember thinking when I first was living out of home and thinking, how am I going to kind of, you know, how am I going to start? And thinking, oh, I had a kind of, I had a busking act that I was sort of working on that was basically just crap magic tricks that didn't work that I would then bluster away in a comic. I mean, literally that was the extent of it. (laughs) But I was about to launch that, you know, on Covent Garden and then I kind of got a job and got something else. But, you know, it's just, I think people are, particularly young people who are by the very nature of, of youth, suggestible and positive. I think it's it's not a bad thing to just say, it's you can do it if you want to. And it's it can be sounding trite, but I think it's worth saying. And I think I think if it catches and people do things, it's a good thing, yeah. you know. And I think that there seemed to be a mood of just thinking, oh, there's just no point. It does feel quite... 
I don't know. But it's definitely, hard, but, but it's definitely, definitely harder is. now, though. Than but when, it's interesting when, you say that. But when you say that, what do you mean when you say well, it's Well, because I think, harder. because, like, in the, no, I started in the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. and you could come to London and find somewhere to stay for £60 a week, which yeah. was a huge amount of money. We didn't have any money, but it was still yeah. achievable if you got a job, uh, you know, part-time job. And, uh, and you could live very cheaply. I just, you know, now it's so hard to... Yeah, and that's why it's all Eaton boys, isn't it? I mean, not to say they're not good actors. They're but... really funny, okay? Yeah. <laughs> they're really, really funny Eaton boys. I find them yeah. hilarious. I love what they do on stage. I love their stand-up. I love it. All of the jokes they do are incredible about Eaton boys. They do a but lot they... of funny Eaton boy jokes, which are hilarious. But they can afford to do it because they can. Their, their mum and dad can, you know, give them a trust fund and they can, they've got some money, so they can. You've got to put a lot of time in, I think, to be anything creative you know an actor a comedian you've got to put those years in so I mean we yeah. did you know we were I mean me and Stu we came to London in 1989 and we were on TV by 1995 which was quite an incredible fast rise but A there's so many people trying to do it and B it's so expensive to live in London or anywhere really now I just I, I don't know I just I think that's why you get anyone who's got independent wealth can say yeah I'll be an actor and that's fine and they can wait for the the, the right thing to come along but it's much harder I think than, than it was but I think that's why kind of getting into collectives and getting into groups and trying to take things you know to Edinburgh or, or wherever yeah, yeah. you can it is, is the way to do it you know try and work out what other people are doing and go down whatever it is whether it's getting kind of sketch shows or and you know and just because where you'll find strength is in is in sort of solidarity really um, and and that and if you are somebody who sort of wants to you you you, you but it's worth doing if yeah, you feel yeah. like you and, and in the end you know you, that's what you you will find your way through but just don't give up on it no well you and, know. and you know giving up is the worst thing you do so what yeah, you're doing is a, is, a, is a great idea but but also it's I mean you do have to be massively insanely committed and I think that's always been true or de- just desperate yeah. desperate for <laughs> desperate. attention or you can't certainly my else. case absolutely <laughs> desperate for attention just one hundred percent from the word go. And just that's it, you know. Yeah, Pretty much. It's, it's worked out well. <laughs> I want to know about the sci-fi stories you wrote at school. What were they were about? Oh God, <clears throat> they were. They were sort of. Uh, they were. They had a kind of. I think they were just sort of about. I think they were about planets, and they had foreign currency that was invented. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, like. But it was. It was. I think it. What I used to do is, is I would start, I would imagine it all in my head and I would start in the middle of the story without having really, really explained anything before or after. So I think what actually came out was a kind of, you know, absolute nonsense to a degree. Or you could say, like the beginning of an Ian M. Banks novel, where you really just have to wait and catch up. I just never got to write the rest. Uh, but, you know, that's sort of really where, well, that's what I would, I would have this idea and then I would, I would and, you know, start right in the middle of the story. Yeah. Which, which is obviously, I've kind of learnt that that's probably not the best way to, to sell an idea. Well, but. with sci-fi, you get away with anything. That's the, it is true. <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of it. But, yeah. you know, is that so, so not something you've written so much sci-fi? You've well, I'm not, ri- to do a sci-fi I'm, well, I'm not writing sci-fi. I mean, I'm writing something that I'm sort of trying, I'm developing it with a production company. And it's not sci-fi, but it's, it's, it's set in a fictional world. Right. So it's set in a fictional world, and it's um, something that I've, started off writing as a graphic novel that is now 
got picked up by a production company that I'm sort of developing as a as a as a as a as a show okay. and we just we just sort of developing that and that's all set in a in a world that is is non-existent although it's recognizable so you can kind of have a massive sort of cast of characters and also that it's not a real world means that you potentially can invent things that don't don't necessarily exist yeah. although you wouldn't necessarily do that to a great degree because you're not talking about real sci-fi sci-fi you're just talking about license to you know create a situation or a scenario that that, that is that is highly stylized and fictional which is the purpose of having a, a fictional world so <clears throat> and it's fun creating fictional worlds and yeah. and situations because you you again you can have kind of freedom to 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 sort of go anywhere you want really so that's been quite fun exploring that and having a kind of new central character who that I kind of sometimes wish I'd just started started writing her as a comic because that was the idea at the, the beginning but it, writing comics is really difficult because you have to write the frames and it's it's a whole different kind of discipline and some you know it, artists are different and want different things and want different specifications and so now we're kind of like on a trajectory of writing it as a as a tv thing which is great it's been great yeah um but whether or not we can get i mean i'm really hoping that it happens it's sort of like i, I mean if it doesn't it doesn't but it, it feels it feels like i'll be trying for my whole life to get it done right but, you, you know. do an amazing sort of variety of stuff I mean, you're creating a lot of different things. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, and then in really different areas. I mean, someone like Lizzie and Sarah is very different yeah. up than up the women, for example. Yeah, up the women, totally different. Really, yeah. deliberately up the women was so totally different from yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted it to be exactly as it was. Yeah. And some people really didn't like it, and some people really got it and saw that it was deliberately supposed to be a fisherman's friend. Yeah. And some people with the tin and everything, but some people just didn't like that because they don't like fisherman's friends. Fair enough. <laughs> it's an acquired taste. But it's kind of that. Like, Sometimes I just want to make, you know, lemon sherbet. Yeah. Sure. Who doesn't want to make it? Is it it a conscious decision to do different stuff or is it, is it just that you want to, whatever you have in your head, you think I want to get this out? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Whatever I have in my head, I want to get out. I have a desperate need to get it out. And sometimes I'm successful in doing that and sometimes I'm not. It's really hard writing though, you know. It is hard. It's very difficult. And especially when it's things you really, really, really want to do. Really, yeah. really, really want to do. When it's, when you're, you know, so you, if you're lucky, you get a chance to do a few of those things. Yeah. When you're just like, that's what I really want to do. And sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's not such a good thing or whatever. But yeah, that's really what it comes down to. Um, what's worse is when you get stuck in a situation where you kind of get bound into something that you kind of don't really want to do that much. And you're sort of, I've sort of had an idea, and they go, "Yeah, we'll just do that." And you're like, "Oh, but I don't know if that's really, really what I want to do." Yeah. Because really, spoil in a spoiled way, all you really want to do is what you really, really want to do, and and <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I think it's, as you get older. Um, when I was younger, it didn't, you know, I didn't care. I'd spend any amount of time on anything. And yeah. now I'm older, and I know I'm not that old, but I yeah. sort of think, you know, I might only have, you know, five more yeah. scripts in me. And so, do I want one of them oh, to be this? It might be less than that. Just, do I want this to be one of them? You know. Yeah, exactly. And so, like a lot of the times, I just give up something. You know, get commissioned to do something, and think, no, that's not going to be any good. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not going to work. Whereas I think 15 years ago, I'd have just gone, yeah, let's let's write that. And so I find yeah. it increasingly hard to get on with anything because I. Uh, yeah, we know. I'm none of my stuff gets on though. That, that's, that's <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's such a fluke when it does. Yeah. It's such a literally. It's just. It's 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 a complete sort of fluke. It's timing and circumstance, and it goes. 
into you know like the right person sees it and likes it then that's timed with the right person also seeing it and liking it yeah and it, and it's just it's a complete fluke whenever it happens i think you know but, i think um, there's a, i think it's more than a fluke but i think there's a there's a lot of, there's a lot of chance and luck in uh, in the, in the progression of anyone but i yeah. don't th- i i don't think anyone over a career can especially as a writer can chance chance it because i just you don't yeah. the great thing about comedy i think is that it does get a reaction and so you yeah. know, you know, when people go to you, you're not funny, you kind of go, well, you might not find me funny, yeah. but I know objectively I definitely am funny. <laughs> I fucking am funny. Because people yeah. laugh when I say stuff. <laughs> so it, doesn't, it might not work for you, but yeah. it, I know it's work. If I'm doing live stuff... It's, when you do live show. stuff, if you're working up to a show, do you, when, how do you actually get to a point where you know, I've got an hour show? Like, how do, when, when is the point where you know that that's what you... Well, I have an idea for a show, and then I have this, which are the position I'm in now, is a horrible, right. tortuous time where you just right. go on with scraps of paper and half ideas and you know the first few gigs are torture but do you find now that you've got a family that you find yourself kind of how do you do you sense you you obviously don't sense yourself more but you don't yeah it's a good thing (laughs) but like but what do you think about like because what do you think about like because i I don't know i i found that when i sort of went into sort of that zone or that era there were parts of my life that were just so unfunny like in a kind of way that's just like I can't find a joke here, yeah. you know, just hard. Particularly when you're having a family, yeah. you know, like how how do you? I mean, I suppose it's different for everyone, but you know, I don't do think you, it, do it you... makes it, it makes it more difficult just because I want to be at home with my daughter, and and then if I'm, I think it's just finding the time to do it. My my wife's a writer as well, yeah. so we're both trying to work it out so that we can both get back to work. Yeah. And we haven't really done much work either of us for three or four months or yeah. five months uh, and uh, you know it's trying to work out how we get back into it it's quite yeah. hard um, but you know you just you've got, hey, you've got to do it because you've, you've got an impetus to work it's a different impetus isn't it yeah. but you've, I now can't say oh I'll do this crazy project where I'll lose 30, 40 grand and see how it goes yeah. I've got to go I've got to do a project that will make some money yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. So to can... kind of get a balance I mean yeah. I know there's people who do it really really well Yeah. Well, and that's, that's why I don't ever feel like I'm one of them I always feel like I'm slightly being... always trying to kind of get a good balance I guess but everyone I'm... feels it but you know but you and uh, Sharon and Rob from last week uh Oh yeah, uh, from they, last week they, they, the uh, show that I came to see. Yeah, that's what you came along just to just see what it would be like, uh, and you know they, they they seem to be doing an incredible amount, and they must. I mean, unless people just and aren't they look seeing really their attractive kids. and fit and healthy, they don't, don't know, they? They don't look like at all like they have any cares. They've got people. In the world. Look, they've got people looking they after their look kids. Like they've got they no must take their kids the and put them in another family, <laughs> and then whenever they need like a pressure, they go get their kids in. Pretend. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but no, I, I, I know what you mean about... I'm just thinking about material as well, so, so I'm just thinking some of the stand-ups. I mean, I'd, I don't know about... But, you know, some of the stand-ups, that, like, more recently, the new, newer stand-ups who were kind of talking about family, although everyone's done it, I yeah. suppose. But, you know, what you think about stand-ups like Louis C.K. and people like that who are just sort of, like, absolutely... They don't have any... There's no filter. no. You know, and they're just kind of like vicious about. Yeah. Oh, not vicious in terms of they're not they're funny, but they're, they're they're being kind of so honest. It's kind of. But you seem like that kind of comedian to me. So well, I think it's. I think, but I think it's about. I think you've got to be honest. I think it's got to be about honesty, and I think the good stuff comes from honesty. And I think you've got to yeah. you've got to think of a way to bridge that. Gap. You know, it's like when when my daughter's old enough to read my disgusting book about yeah. how I turned forty and exactly. met her mother. That's going to be a weird time. I'm thinking I can just hide the books. Yeah. <laughs> 
by the time she's 25, I think she could maybe read but it. But I go, think by the time know, she's 25, she'll, 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 she, you'd have kind of probably told her yeah. everything by then. But I don't you? know, I think maybe, I don't, I'm not she'll sure. She'll probably, it'll probably, it'll be on your deathbed. <laughs> it it'll be when you're dying. Probably, she'll finally get round to reading your books. I'll probably be dead long before then. Do you think? No, I've left it late. So, you know, the beauty is I get to enjoy while she's a child and then I'll die before she becomes a teenager. <laughs> And, uh, you won't. You'll be there. You'll be there the whole way. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a, that's a weird thing. But I also don't think that can uh, affect you too much. But you've got to think about your when you're writing about people close to you. You know, you've got to think about how they're going to react to it. But you can't always predict how they're going to react to it. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just I've written things. I mean, you obviously use truth, and I've written things that are based on my family, and then I've made stuff up, and then the stuff I've made up turns out to be true or comes true really yeah and then they think you've written you know it's that's like really well loads of times i write things that then happen i think i'm like uh kind of got some magic thing yeah thing, yeah i've got magic thing in me there. yeah yeah maybe um yeah. but yeah that's that's kind of difficult but yeah, yeah. but but also i hope you if you're writing with love for the people you're writing for i think hopefully that comes through yeah but i'm gonna i'm gonna that's I'm, my new show is probably going to be largely about my daughter just because that's all that's happening to me at the moment so i think you've got to you've got to kind of use what's going on and when i and i do that probably more more than most people i mean do you think it's better to have kids later do you think that's better i think it's better for me i mean i I regret it in a way that i've left it this late yeah i'd like to have like hundreds of kids now i've got one yeah i know what you mean (laughs) but uh but i think for me i think i needed to get through a load of stuff before i could be a good dad and be at this point where i'd be a good dad i've always liked liked kids not like I didn't have proper, a saying no, no, that. Just because I'm in show business. <laughs> I like him in the right way. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> but yeah. it's interesting. Uh, I'll ask you another... Well, God, we should it's lovely talking to you, and it's really interesting. Um, I once auditioned for one of your things. So Which I didn't one? Get, didn't get the part. It was the thing when you was about driving... Was it called, I can't remember what it's called. It was about driving instructors. There was a oh, New God. Zealand... Oh, you drive, should... Yeah, oh, you would have been great. It was a New Zealand driving instructor. Oh, but it I was came worse in, because I came in, in and it. said, uh, I can't really do a New Zealand accent. Oh, you should have got and it. And they said, uh, do one anyway. Oh, and I, I did it, and that. I didn't think it was. I, I can't do a New Zealand accent. Uh, <laughs> I like Friend, I can't do it. Yeah, very good. I can't even think what New Zealand people say now. I should have asked Sharon. Uh, but then they said, "But they said, would you be prepared to cut your hair? You need to cut your hair." So I thought, oh, this must have gone better than I thought Ridiculous. it had." I said, "No." <laughs> Quite right. But uh, yeah. I never got I never got asked to do auditions though, so it was just nice to be. I do out of the I house. do a lot of auditions do and I don't get. Do you get do you audition? Yeah, I audition a lot, and I, I genuinely speaking don't 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 get them. Although, yeah, I nearly always happens. get them because no one ever asks me to audition. Right. So when they ask me, then I've got a good chance of getting it. But I've do, got. I I've been Percy some... the Shepherd. I was in Servants. Wow! Come on! Come Remember on. you had sideburn servants. Come on, it was meant to be the great BBC Everyone's drama. getting very tired, Richard. Are, Everyone's getting very tired. Percy the Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen a ghost? This is, this no. Is my, oh. <laughs> I really thought you one. would have seen I've a ghost. Thought I've, I've, uh, I've definitely sort of, you know, I've thought about dead people. Yeah. That's about as far as it goes, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. They could have man. Oh, I, like, I could imagine that. I could think they go. They're not really ghosts. They're just dead people that I'm thinking about really hard. Yeah. And that's it. I'm afraid. <laughs> I smashed a mirror this week. Jesus yeah. Christ! Why? Well, accidentally. <laughs> 
But Why? I don't think because it... you thought there was a ghost in it. Well, no, but it made me think about... What I like about mirrors is wow. the idea when you go to a stately home, I'm going to finish this. Set. When you go when to you a go stately home, I'm just waiting for the right moment to come out and we'll see what comes out of this. When you go to like a stately home, you yeah. see mirrors, I kind of think, wow, what's incredible about that kind of patchy old mirror is that Louis XIV looked in that mirror and he was once in there and now I'm looking at it and I'm yeah. in there. So, in a way, does the mirror capture everyone? Is there a little bit of a particle of Louis yeah, left there? Yeah, it might be in there. So, if, if, when my bedroom mirror smashed, did that destroy all the things it had witnessed in my bedroom over the... Wow. And is there a new start to my life after that? Probably should have broken about ten years ago. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> if you want it to be, that's yeah. what it is, Richard. Because it's meant to be bad is. luck. But uh, do you think it's bad luck just because mirrors used to be really expensive? No, I don't really believe in that. No. I don't really believe I in that. I thought you'd be more. I thought you'd be more uh, superstitious. No, I'm not really into any of that. No. no. Are you coldly logical? No, no, no. no. Um, do you uh, believe in God? Do I believe in God? Yeah. Wow. Okay. What do you mean, God? When you say God, what, what do you mean? What Richard? do you mean, God? You are fast. What do you mean? Well, it depends what you believe in. It can believe well, it depends what you, you mean. I believe when... it's a comet. It's you believe it's throwing a comet. out little bacteria at us. Uh, you believe it's a comet yeah. throwing bacteria yeah. out like that. It's got like a little hand in it. Well, based on that. I would say there's several comets because <laughs> what there is in outer space are these huge Magellan clouds that are like billions of miles high and what comes out of them are these solar systems. Yeah. They're basically like what look like tadpoles because they're sort of, you can see almost the darkened centre and then the kind of concentric rings but they're floating out into space. They are roughly the size of our own solar system. So you could... So if that's what you think God is, yeah. that's probably what God is. It's just someone chucking. Yeah. There's someone. There's a hand though in the middle, right? Yeah. Chucking there. Yeah. Chuck, there's got to be a hand. There's got to be a hand. Otherwise, how's it coming out? Um. That's how. It, when there's a nuclear reaction, there's but a hand in the middle, and they're chucking. There's a hand. It's got a ch- chop in the arm. In that case, it's like with a knife going. And they could even be like I don't know. They could be sort of I don't know sprinkling something on it, maybe as it yeah. comes out, like. Yeah. Oregano or garlic <laughs> or chili or something, yeah. as it like a sort of hatch, like a restaurant hatch of little solar systems going out, something like that. That's a nice idea. So God's like a he's like a chef. He's yeah. like a he's like a big. Well, and we're chef. Food, that makes us food. Though. I, it's interesting because what you're talking about, which is interesting, is God as a as a creation. So God as as a force of creation, which is a different, which is a way of looking at yeah. God and creation which is certainly one where where do we all come from what's what's the point of us from a scientific point of view yeah which is a good i think probably place to get to okay. to imagine that god is that yeah but god isn't necessarily always our what we what we come from or even what we're made of i think some people think of god as a different kind of presence i think that's probably what some people think of god do, as yeah People think all sorts of different they stuff. They think of all kinds of crazy everyone, stuff, everyone don't they, Richard? different stuff. Why I, doesn't everyone just agree? Why don't we just choose one and agree on it? Yeah, I, do you know what? Yeah. I can't believe you've said that, because I I was thinking that. <laughs> and like, so, we should say something. Okay. Why don't we go to, like, the world's place, yeah. the world's, like, place, where yeah. all the people in the world yeah. are, well, and just go... say, guys... Yeah. Just pick one and agree on it. Me and you could go. We'll <laughs> yeah. go and go and say. Oh. Solved. That Phew. is that solved. Well, I think uh, that was awful, that bit when he's got his pillow, that pillow over your face and he's having sex with you. That's awful. Mark Heap. Yeah. You should awful. ask him about that. 
was that his idea? I think we all know whose idea that was. And it wasn't mine or Mark's. It was that Jay Davis. <laughs> well, we'll go backstage and talk about confetti. And uh, we, it's, I've been really loved. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm a massive admirer of, of uh, all the stuff you're doing because it's really exciting, um, really creative and exciting and different. So thank you for coming on to Pleasure. our show. I'm never nice to people. So that was <gasps> really. Uh, yeah, I'm usually horrible to people. Thanks, Rich. And the best thing you did was World According to Bex. That was the best <laughs> one. Bring that back. <laughs> and everything we find. Ladies Thanks. and gentlemen, Jessica Hines, Stevenson, Taluna. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> you have been listening to Richard Herring's Let's Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring. And my guest, Jessica Hines. Uh, the music is, of course, by Pest. Know that. Even I know that. You must know that by now. Thank you to everyone at GoFastStrike.com and at the Leicester Square Theatre. It is very nice here. The producer is Ben Walker. This is a Sky Potato, Go Faster Stripe and Fuzz production for the internet. Thank you very much for watching and or listening to Rich Tang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with my guest Jessica Hines. Uh, I have to say this. This is from Nick Rosansky. That's a made-up name. Who wants me to say Brad Novak is a fucking idiot. I just feel that there's some people on the continent who are just settling scores between each other. I don't know where Nick Rosansky and Brad Novak are from, but they sound very exciting, don't they? They sound more exciting than my regular listeners slash viewers. If you've enjoyed these podcasts and want to help contribute, you can go to gofasterstripe.com slash badges, buy a badge, either one-off or monthly. You don't even have to take a badge. If you get a monthly badge, then you get all kinds of extras like backstage interviews, from what we do back there, uh, and uh, an access to other stuff uh, on the channel and you get entry into a free draw and advance warning of exciting guests so it's worth doing thank you to all the people who helped us put this together you are very nice people here are your names Matthew Smith Ewan Duncan Rob Applin Darren Foote Colin Anderson Raymond Harpany Kevin Tipcorn Steve Mash Dean Ratland Gaynor Wilson Adam Queck Stuart Fawcett, Tim Turner, Julian Benton, Thomas Baldwin, Lauren Pilkington, Matthew Blackburn, Neil Martin, Jack Burton, Fraser Levy, Gina Lynn, Paul Jeffrey, Rob Ward, Robert Tang Richardson, Leo Vagoda, Carol Forster, Icky Kawa, Colm McGonagall, Aurora Watters, Jake, Heather Henderson, Simon Carl, Christine Sato, David Collier, Jijin John, Roy Owens, Matthew Poynton, and James Davies, Matthew Smith, Andrew Smith, Aubrey Hesselgren, that's not a real name, Darren Greaves, Daniel Boyland, Crispy Pete, Phil Warren, Gary Queen with a double R. Thank you very much for listening and thank you to all of them and everyone else who helped us with this show. It was quite good. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. 
any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at Shopify.com slash records. Thank you very much for listening to my podcasts. Listen to some more. Tell your friends about these podcasts. We're in a very competitive market. It would be lovely to keep those downloads coming in. The more downloads we get, the more money we make and the more podcasts we can make for you. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Come and see me on tour at richardherring.com. But otherwise, just, you know, go outside. Enjoy the spring air. It's beautiful out there. I love you all. Goodbye.